Hi, I'm Hassel. And I'm JP. And this is Pulled Corks Podcast. Hey, everybody. We just got back from one hell of a trip. We went to Burgundy last weekend. We did. We went to Burgundy. We had a ball while we were there. Actually, I think Saturday. I'm still recovering. Yeah. It's a ton of good food. Really good food. Uh, I absolutely hurt my body Saturday night <laughs> drinking wine. On JP's way there, he decided to stop off in Lorraine and pick up a bottle of something special. Basically, I was reading about this mythical wine for a while, but it's so rare, even the French don't actually know much about it. It's mostly drunk in the region. It's such a unicorn wine. <laughs> so I had to pick it up when I saw it at the gas station on my way to Burgundy. And it's kind of cool. He got out of the gas station for what, like eight fifty or something? Eight fifty. And we, we found it for like 12 online to order. So, I mean, it's not that bad. It's, that was a good deal. And we've already tasted it, and it tastes pretty good, especially for coming from a you know gas station. Yeah. <clears throat> but it, anyways, it's uh, Vin Gris. Yeah, the Vin Gris is a gray wine, so can you imagine what that means? Yeah, it to me, it sounds like uh, a poorly made Pinot Gris. <laughs> <laughs> no, there isn't even Pinot Gris in it. It's basically an old and ancient term for rosé. For blush wine, red grapes made like a white wine with a little bit of uh, red color in it. So it's really close to a rosé, actually. Yeah, if you look at it, it's it's a little pink. It's not quite what most people would consider a rosé. It, it's almost like a Blanc de Noir. Yeah, somewhere between a Blanc de Noir and a proper rosé. <clears throat> it's really nice. It's uh, got some really good flavor to it. Yeah, very floral, very fruity. So let's talk about uh, the region where this yeah. where this wine comes from. Lorraine is not really associated with wine anymore. It's like many people don't even know that Lorraine makes wine. Some people lump it into Alsace. Yeah, it's had a rough history, but they've been making wine there since uh, since the Romans, since Roman times, because it's actually a part of the Mosul. The Mosul River is just flowing through that area, then going to Luxembourg and then into Germany. And they all grow wine since, like, God who knows. Or as the French call it, Les Moselles. Yeah. So there's even a, a Département Moselle and an AOC Moselle uh, in that region of Lorraine. But uh, this sub-region, the Côte de Toul, is a very distinct AOC. It was made an AOC in 1998. Actually, Lorraine is also the that's the closest to us. Yeah, that's our neighbors. Yeah, it's, it's one and a half hours, two hours to get there to the Côte de Toul. As we mentioned, is an ancient wine growing region. The other interesting uh, thing is before the the borders of Champagne were that strict, most of their wine went into Champagne. That's correct. Yeah, most of it was Champagne. So it was. It, was, it kind of was part of Champagne it's, at that it's time. It's basically, even uh, in terms of soil and climate, just an eastern extension of Champagne. It's at the same height as the Côte de Bar in, in uh, Champagne. So it had this long history, and just too many things went wrong. The whole area was just devastated. You had the, uh, well, phylloxera 
had a lot to do with that. But actually, it was taking hits even before Phylloxera. So it's very similar to the region of Yun, uh, close to uh, Chablis, mm-hmm. which isn't known anymore, which was almost as famous as Chablis itself. It is disappeared, and the same happened to Lorraine. But in the 15th century, the Dukes of Lorraine made it really famous, their wine. Their rosés, the Van Gris, that was drunk by nobility in France all over the country. And before refrigeration, it wasn't easy to get the wines from uh, Provence, Southern Rhone, uh, Languedoc, up to Paris. So their rosés came actually from Lorraine. And then once the uh, railroad system took off, they actually were producing a bit of higher quality in the Languedoc. They have more sun. So That's true. Here we have a lot and of acid, some residual sugar, like a kind of a Mosul style. And then with the advent of the railroad, brought more competition, and that was a disaster for, for Cote de Toul. Yeah, and then the phylloxera epidemic struck. Yes. And when they just recovered from that, uh, the Germans were rolling through it in World War I. And the fiercest battles, the battles of Verdun, everything happened in that Lorraine-Champagne corridor. Mm-hmm. So that devastated most of their wine industry. That, uh, yeah, that really took a lot from it. I mean, and uh, yeah, they were also, they replanted, after Floxa, they replanted with the varieties that were, that weren't that great in, in the first place. Um, so, I don't know what they were using then, but it took a long time until like the ni- 1930s before they started really uh, uh, using quality grape varieties again. Yeah. And so they had to graft them on their old rootstocks right. and somehow recycle their vineyards. But now it's really, uh, really small. Like the Cote de Toul itself has uh, around 100 hectares, 110 hectares. That's about 270 acres. And, and the whole region of the Lorraine wines, including the Mosul and the Van de Pay, that's just about 500 acres. So 200 hectares plus. And they're growing uh, grape varieties that uh, are pretty familiar to everyone. And Pinot Noir. And it's Burgundy grapes. Gamay. Yeah. It's more like the peasant grapes of Burgundy, like the Gamay and the Azura, yes. which were not like the noble ones we know from the Cote d'Or nowadays. Right. So the old, hardy peasant grapes we find in the Beaujolais, we find in Luxembourg. Mm. And also in Lorraine and parts of Alsace. But yeah, Gamay is the workhorse red wine. The noble red is the Pinot Noir. And then the Ozerois Blanc is their go-to white, like in Luxembourg. Okay, and but today we are focusing on this Vin Gris. And the one that we have today is, as it says on the label, 85% Gamay and 15% Pinot Noir. So the the AOC rule just says it has to contain at least 15% Pinot Noir, and the other uh, part has to be of reds up to 85, and what red is left? is Gamay. Yeah. So he could have used a little bit more Pinot in that. Does that... Why would you... For this style, does that actually give you a higher quality of ingredients? I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure either. Yeah. We'll have to find one. Yeah. Let's try this. Let's try it. Let me pour you a little bit here. Thank you. So let's have a look at the color again. It's like a little bit of a like salmon pink with a golden hue. Almost almost a little orange. Yeah, almost a little orange. A very 
interesting color for a rosé style. The nose is very clean, floral, a lot of white flowers and a lot of red fruit is coming out. You, you feel that gamay, a lot of strawberry, oh, yeah. some from the pinot, like the red berry fruit. What else would you pick up on the nose? Again, it's clean, it's almost perfumed. It is very floral. Yeah, very floral. So now let's go on to the palate. What sticks out is the brutal acidity. Very high acidity. It's very high, fresh acidity. It almost seems like you could age this wine if you wanted to, which is something Probably. you could don't really talk about much mm. when you talk about rosés. Yeah, you, you wouldn't... An oak rosé, usually you don't age. No. But I feel like this you could give... It could a be. couple of years. I mean, most rosés. The aroma is the very same year. fruity and delicate, so you might lose it and just have the acid left over. You would have to try this, mm. but the acid could keep it alive. Yes, the acid is strong. It has a touch of residual sugar, and this reminds me a little bit of a Mosel Riesling in terms a of composition. Bit. Yeah, not uh, aroma. Aroma is completely different. Light. It's not a very aromatic wine. Aromatic, it is in terms of fruit and floral, but not but very not like, flavorful. But not like a Gewurztraminer or a Riesling or something like that. It's no, it isn't. You definitely tasty. get the Pinot Noir. You get that Gamay, the red fruit. Well, I'll be perfectly honest. This is the first time I've seen a Vingri, and I'll be honest, I didn't really even hear about it until you showed up mm. in Burgundy. It's like, hey, I picked this up on my way here. Yeah. It's it's such a surprise. You could just pick this up at a good price, and it's it's not a cooperative. It's a single winemaker. It's mm -hmm. a single estate wine. So this is actually quite a steal. Yeah, very good quality, super food friendly. I can imagine. Oh yeah, I'm sure it is with this acid. Actually, I just had some chili con carne, and it <laughs> kind of goes with that. <laughs> even nice. Yeah. What else to say about this wine? Yeah, the well, height. Acid, yeah, you can tell that the grapes from this region are similar in climate and soil to Champagne. There is a bit of warmth. Yeah, a little uh, bit alcohol of warmth, warmth of alcohol, although it's actually quite low in alcohol. It is only 11.5%. Quite light-bodied. So Yes. Yeah, it's kind of surprising that <clears throat> you can feel it. <laughs> uh, talking about Lorraine, also important about that region is the food. The food culture. Yes. The quiche is their, like, their product. You find it everywhere. They also make a couple of hearty meat dishes. It's a little bit more refined than the the very Germanic style of Alsace. Right. I think. Major cities in the, re the region are Metz, which has the Moselle appellation, mm -hmm. where they also grow some Riesling. So there's, again, this blend of cultures. Right. And south of it is Nancy, which is already, like, really, really French. Even the architecture. And Toul has, like, a Notre Dame-style Gothic French cathedral. They have already the limestone, the white limestone. So there you get right into France. Within this region, you can really explore the heart of Europe, I would mm. say. A lot of history there. The food is good there. I've always liked the uh, the terrain, yeah, from the region, which that yeah. is kind of like it's a pate, 
uh, they, they actually sometimes use wine to make it as yeah, well. They're, they're fam- famous for all kinds of pâtés. Yes, as we mentioned, the Oseras, they are fantastic. They they can compete with anything from Germany, Alsace, or Luxembourg in that area. Again, high acidity, fresh wine can keep them for a while. Um, they don't make many sparkling wines, which is interesting because... Especially since there was a lot of the champagne grapes used to be grown there. Yeah, so they didn't pick up the tradition of making the sparkling wines. They just sent over their grapes and had sparkling wines made in champagne under the champagne appellation, which right. isn't possible anymore. So yeah, their wine region is still shrinking. They're fighting hard. So please support them if you ever see a wine from that region. Travel there, taste their wines. They're worth it. And it's a beautiful area to travel to yeah. and through. There's a lot to see there. Metz it's, is a nice city. Yeah. Nancy is a nice city. And as we did, it's a really oh, good transition point to Burgundy yeah, or Champagne. You're just right above travel Burgundy. from Germany. You can go down, straight down to Alsace. You can go west to Champagne that's an hour to Champagne. Right. Or you go two hours south and you're in Dijon. Yes. So. And yeah, that's maybe where we continue our story and let you a little bit uh, pick up on our Burgundy adventure oh. before we go into tasting the wines we brought home. Right. Yeah, it's a really interesting story we'll, we'll be getting into. Uh, I came across, a, the reason we went to Burgundy, I, I came across a very interesting Wine from I, Louis actually, Jadot, right? From Louis Jadot. Actually, it was a very interesting label <laughs> from a good wine from a, one of the best years you could ever buy from. But uh, it was mislabeled. Yeah, you put it up on Instagram and I, somebody spotted it. I put it on Instagram and a uh, professional, uh, uh, someone who knows a lot about Burgundy, called me out. Uh, it, was, it was a... It was a, a Pinot Noir, obviously, from Louis Jadot. And it said, Bon Tiron Grand Cru, 1969. So this guy sends me a message. He says, uh, hey, man, um, there are no Grand Crus in Bone. So I don't know what's going on with your wine. So I, I, I researched the internet. I couldn't find anything. I messaged a ton of experts. Nobody could tell me anything. I hit up Reddit. The only thing I could hear was it's a fake or something was going on. So why would you make a fake that's so obvious? Yeah. So I messaged the the producer, Louis Jadot, which is the – they own more vineyards in Burgundy than anybody else. They're a huge name. And with less than 24 hours, they messaged me back. They're like, that – is not fake. You're correct. There's no Grand Cruz in Bonn. There never have been. Laws were a little bit looser in the 60s, and maybe it was a marketing thing or, or something. They were able to get away with it. So who knows what this bottle's worth? It's probably something auction price. Mm. Very interesting bottle. Rare. Rare and bottle. We'll get deeper into that in a separate episode and actually taste that bottle. Yes, and I mean they and it's a 1969 which is one of the absolute best years. Even at Louis Jadot they said that wine might not even be opened up yet. Yeah. Might not even be ready yet. And it's like 49 years old. So next episode we'll get into that. I'm really looking forward to it. And also since they gave I went there so I could get a tour of the uh, 
Louis Jadot facilities, they invited me down. We'll put that up on the website because you need to see all the pictures. That is correct. Yeah, we'll do. A, I'll do a whole article on that. I'll try to get it up by the end of the week. So uh, we have that to look forward to. And gosh, I just can't wait to drink that bottle next week. We also picked up a couple of interesting and pretty reasonably priced vintage Bordeaux uh, Burgundy bottles from from a vintage dealer in Bone. Yes. Um, so we want to tell you that there is still good value bottles, even aged value bottles to catch in Burgundy. You don't have to go for the super high-priced Grand Cru's famous appellation, famous producers. If you ask them, they might introduce you to something reasonable and still worthwhile from a lesser-known appellation. That's the other thing we found out during dinner. We were just picking... The Cote Chalonnais, the Mercury, yeah. uh, the Macon. Like, there you can still find, like, really, really good deals for your money, even in Burgundy. Absolutely. Uh, even, and also, the, probably just as good as the wine, the food in Burgundy is amazing. The food was amazing. Everywhere, like... Everywhere. All the places we tried. Sometimes we just dropped into a place, and it was... It was always fantastic. Absolutely. And so we have a lot of stories from uh, this past weekend we're going to get into. So I, I guess it's just going to be a Burgundy episode. Yeah. Then so, we have to catch up on my adventures in Japan. Absolutely. There's like two weeks full of uh, wine sake exploration. Um, they had crazy, crazy natural wine bars there. Mm-hmm. Um, a bar specialized just on the wines of Jura. So... A lot of stories coming up on the blog, on the magazine, and on the podcast in the future. Oh, it's going to be a great time. Yeah. So we got a, got, got a whole lot of good stuff coming to you guys. We can't wait to get it out to you. But uh, I think that's going to draw everything to a close for today, unless you have anything you want to add. Just any time, send us your feedback. Let us know what you want to hear from us, what we can uh, tell you. We are ready. You can find us on Facebook at Pulled Corks. You can find us on Instagram with Pulled Corks or JP Pulled Corks. We have a Twitter that's called, hey, Pulled Corks. We have a website, which you really need to check out. It's www.pulled-corks.com. We had to put the hyphen in there. and uh, Or you can email me, hassle at pulledcorks.com. Or you can just email the both of us at pulledcorks at gmail.com. Okay, uh, that's how you reach out to us. Uh, follow us. Give us a review. Uh, where can you find the podcast? Oh, you could... Well, if you're listening, you've yeah. already found it. But you can... Recommend it to your friends. It's on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, Buzzsprout Radio, uh, iTunes course give us a rating but we really want to hear your feedback we want to know what we could be doing better we want to know what you want us to talk about so please give us feedback let us know what you want to hear let us know how we're doing you know say hey you guys are doing great or you guys suck either way let us know so we can fix it yeah we will fix anything and we will come up with a bunch of great wines from burgundy for the next two episodes all right so with that that. Have a good time and cheers. cheers.